0: For us, the message of Christmas is an incredible message because it's the message of Jesus. It's the message of hope. It's the day that we celebrate the hope that came into this world. And we as a church are incredibly grateful for Jesus and all that he has done for us. We're a church that focuses on the finished work of what Jesus has already accomplished. We're not here to tell you do, 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 although there are some things that you should do. We're here to declare done, done, done. Before you can do, you need to know that it's done, right? That might not make sense to you, but I'm praying the Holy Spirit would illuminate what I'm saying, that before we can do anything for Jesus, we need to know what he has done for us. Because it's from that place of knowing what He has done for us that we find the strength and the grace to be able to do what God calls us to do. And, um, and this is so important, and it comes down to our faith. It comes down to our trust. And I wanna ask, how many of you have, have trust issues here this morning? How many of you, okay, if you put up your hand, thank you. I was gonna say you don't have to, but we just got a great church, and everybody just volunteered. There is prayer after the service. But the truth is, is that all of us have trust issues to some degree or another. And it's because we've been let down. It's because we've been disappointed. It's because people are imperfect and flawed and in our relationships, people have often hurt us or disappointed us. And I was thinking about times that I've been let down and uh, and I thought about what is probably to this day my most embarrassing moment. And I've done some embarrassing things. I've had a few embarrassing moments. Um, and, uh, but, but for me, one of my most embarrassing ever moments was when I was um, about 14 years old. Um, as a family, we went on holiday. We went to the Drakensberg Mountains. Um, we went to a sports resort that had uh, all kinds of activities and round robins and competitions that you could be involved in during the day, especially for the kids, and so there was this group of, uh, of teenagers that kind of were there at the same time, and they were a little bit older than me. They were probably about 16, 17, this group, but because I was there and, and uh, you know, I always wanna make friends wherever I go, so I wanted to be friends with this group but I didn't exactly know how to, I didn't just wanna walk into the midst of this group and be like, hey, I'm Adrian, let's be friends, and so I thought that if I hang out near them, if my sister and I, um, she was two years younger, she was about 12 years old at the time, if we just hang out near them, then eventually they would be nice, because people should be nice, and they should be like, hey, why don't you guys come and be friends with us, and so we were kind of in this awkward space where we weren't talking to them, but we were hanging out near them all of the time, okay, Um, and so one evening, we had all swum that day, and uh, it was a lot of fun and uh, and then and then they were hanging out at the playroom like like 16 and 17 year olds would at the at the games room with the pool table and table tennis and if you've been to one of those resorts you'll know what i'm talking about and outside was kind of like a, a netball basketball court and so my sister and i were playing on the basketball court kind of in proximity and so eventually it happened that one of them came over to me and this guy and everybody was watching and he came over to me and he said hey man Um, you're quite tall, I want to see how tall you are, and I was like, wow, this guy recognizes something about me, and and maybe this is the beginning of a friendship, and and maybe he would go, you're tall, so can we be friends, Um, and so he came over to me, and he was like, he just wants to stand back to back with me and see how tall I am, and so I was like super proud, standing up, you know, making sure I'm nice and straight and get extra height, extra couple centimeters, and the next thing, standing back to back with me uh, you probably know where this is going. Um, he grabbed my pants, and he felt—you know—basically pulled them down. So he just kneeled down, pulled down my pants, and um, you know, he revealed all. You know, um, all was revealed. I was exposed, and um, I was super disappointed, and uh, didn't hang out with them. Um, Obviously, after that, and, and, you know, and everybody was watching this go down. So I don't know if you've ever had a moment where they are like, people want to be my friends. And they're like, no, no, we actually just want to embarrass you, right? And I remember that, obviously, you would remember something like that. And, and I remember that that's the kind of thing that when people tell me that um, I'm tall now, I'm like, leave me alone, leave me alone. I don't want to, I know, I don't. I'm not tall, I'm short, leave me alone. So, so that's what happens when you've been disappointed, is that you develop these, these issues with, with trust. And it's hard for us um, to imagine that God would be trustworthy. We, we're like, what does that really mean? Is he gonna be trustworthy all of the time? Is it sometimes? Is it if I do the right thing? And so we kind of develop these, these, these trust issues because we've been let down, and we end up applying that to God as well. Um, and last week, we started in, in Romans 15, and we read something there in Romans 15 that stuck with me the whole week. I don't know if it stuck with you, but it was such a powerful verse in what we read. So I wanted to repeat it this morning. In Romans 15, that's where we're gonna be. So if you, if you have your Bible, you can just open up in, in Romans 15. And in Romans 15, verse five, um, we looked at this. Romans 15, five says, may the God of endurance and encouragement, the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with with Christ Jesus, that together with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of endurance and encouragement. Bible says that we are going to let each other down. We are gonna disappoint each other because we're all human and we're all fallible. And so in another place in scripture, Paul actually writes, make room for each other. Make room for each other, have grace for one another, forgive each other. And then it says that when it's difficult, the God of endurance and encouragement will give you the ability, will give you the grace, will grant you to live in harmony with one another even though there's, and so I was thinking about the fact that God is called the God of encouragement. That God is called the God of endurance. And it made me think about how grateful I am for the consistency of God the consistency of God. How grateful I am that he is always consistent. Our issues in relating to other people and to trusting other people is that we know that as good as they may be or as good as the words that they may speak or the promises they make may be, and as much as their intention would be to keep those promises and be faithful to their word, that ultimately we as people are inconsistent. Ultimately, we as people, we drop the ball, we make mistakes, we don't have the ability to be perfectly consistent all of the time. And so we know that even if we wanted to trust people, no one is 100% consistent in their commitment. Have you ever done something in your own life that you felt was incongruent with who you feel you actually are? Who you believe that you actually are. I, I believe a lot in values. I write down my values for my own life and for my family and that these are the values that I live by. These are the things that, that, that I believe in. These are the things that I take my stand on. But if I'm completely honest with you this morning, there are times when I act in a way that is not in line with what my own values are and what my own commitments are. You see, we break our own promises, not even to, uh, to other people, but to ourselves. The promise that you've made to yourself, you often break that. Have you ever promised you something, yourself something where you said, I'll never do that again, and then you end up doing that again, and you have to apologize to yourself for doing the thing that you promised yourself you wouldn't do? So sometimes we do things in weakness. Sometimes we do things out of frustration that don't fall in line with who we know we are in Christ, and we all do that. And that's why the Bible says, have grace, have endurance, have forgiveness. And it's also why it takes some people a long time to trust others, because we don't know what their consistency levels are like. I was thinking about sport, and I was thinking about how the best sportsmen and women, the ones that are the best in the world, what makes them number one, what makes them the top, is consistency. That is the ultimate value, the ultimate element in any sport, in fact, in any part of life, is that if you can be consistent, then you would probably be better than anybody else. And what separates the top golfers in the world and the top tennis players in the world and and, and, and whatever other sport, the top rugby players or soccer players, isn't necessarily that they have great matches every so often or that they're able to win a tournament every now and again. Because if you watch sport, you'll know that every now and again, a team comes out of nowhere and will win the league or will win the trophy or will win the tournament and then they just basically fade back down into obscurity again. But the best teams are the ones that consistently perform at a certain level all of the time. They just, they're just able to do it again and again and again and again. And so our problem is that we're not able to do that. I brought a couple of golf balls here, and, and, uh, and I wanted to illustrate this to you. I'm not sure how many of you are actually going to be able to see this, but every now and again when I play golf, um, I have like a miracle shot. I remember I was playing golf with Brent. Where's Brent. We, there he is at the back. We were playing. We were playing in a, in a bit of a tournament. Um, we did our own. It was actually Brent's company did a Ryder Cup, I think it was, and we were playing for the international team. And uh, Brent and I got onto the tee box at the one at the one hole, and uh, and you know Brent was uh, close to playing professional golf. He's a, basically a scratch handicap. He's a really good golfer, way better than what I am. And so uh, Brent was basically out there, and he drove the ball, and it was an incredible drive. And then I got up and something happened, the stars aligned, you know, Jesus had favor on me, the angels began to sing, and I don't know what I did, but I drove my ball exactly the same way that Brent did, and, and uh, his ball and my ball were lying side by side, middle of the fairway, and we had like, just a, a lob wedge into the green um, on that par four, I think it was, and, and um, so it was an amazing shot. And so then Brent uh, went and he took his club and he hit the ball and obviously he put it on the green and I took my away and I was like, so easy. I'm just gonna pop this up onto the green. We're both gonna make birdie. It's gonna be amazing. Except that I was standing over here. The green was over there. There was water over there and I hit mine in the water, okay? (laughs) That's the difference (laughs) between a good golfer and an average golfer where an average golfer can have a good shot every now and again, but good golfers have consistency because I'm just not that consistent. And very few people would be able to do that. And this is where we sometimes make a mistake of applying our level of expectancy in terms of consistency to God. We know that people are inconsistent and we know that we are inconsistent so we deduce by that that God must be inconsistent. That God himself wouldn't be consistent. But this is what I wanna tell you. When God acts, the Bible says that he is the God of endurance and encouragement. That is who he is. And the truth today is, is that when God acts, he acts 100% from who he is every single time. He never misses the mark. That's actually what the word sin means. It means to miss the mark, to play outside the line, to to miss the shot. It's actually a term from archery to mean that you've fallen short of the target, but God hits the target every single time. His word stands, his truth stands, who he is stands. If God was making a putt on the 18th green, it would go into the center of the cup, no no matter how many balls you put down for him to putt. If he was shooting a basketball from the halfway line, it wouldn't even touch the the rim, it would hardly touch the net, it would go right through the middle every single time. If God was kicking for posts from his own 22, even if it was right against the sideline, he would put it right through the center dot every single time. If he was taking a penalty kick from the spot, he would hit the mark every single time. If he was throwing dots at a target, it would hit the center of the center of the bullseye every single time. Or like in the case of David and Goliath, if God was flinging a stone or helping somebody to fling a stone, it would hit right between the eyes, the center every single time. God cannot miss. I, I, want, I know this is simple and I know that it's sound, but I want you to know for your own life, God cannot miss. He cannot fail. He cannot lose. He cannot do anything inconsistent or imperfect at any time at any point no matter what the circumstances because God is not trying to be perfect he is perfect he's not trying to be consistent he is consistent it's his nature it's his person it's his character it's who he is and he's not just perfect anything but he is perfect love God is perfect love and love is not just nice thoughts and nice feelings about you. Love is not love without action, without taking a shot. And so God acts decisively and perfectly in our lives because of his love. He acts, he does, he moves, he speaks, he promises, and he fulfills those promises perfectly every single time. You see, it's so incredible how your faith can grow when you stop focusing on your consistency or the consistency of your commitment or the consistency of your love or the consistency of your devotion and instead you begin to focus on the consistency of His love. The Bible says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave Himself up as a ransom. You see, he doesn't just love, but he gives because of his love. There's an action to it. And whenever God acts, he acts perfectly. And so this morning, I want to share this message with you called His Word Stands. His Word Holds True. That's who he is. His Word holds true. No matter what, God's Word holds true. So when the Bible says that God is the God of love, or that he is the God of encouragement, or that he is the God of endurance, or that he is the God of mercy, or when he says to Moses, I am merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, when it says that his thoughts towards us are precious, that he'll provide for us, that he'll protect us, that he'll make a way for us, or any other scripture, any other promise that we read in scripture, it means that he will do so 100% of the time. It's not hit or miss with God. The Bible actually says this, that that the promises of God are not yes and no. It's not sometimes, it's not when I feel like it, it's not inconsistent. 100% of the time, our 100% faithful God will do what He has promised to do. And that's because God is not intending to do good, but He is good. It's who He is, it's settled, it's final, and He can do nothing else. He cannot miss, He cannot lie, and he cannot be unloving or unfaithful. I wanna look at a couple of scriptures this morning. We're gonna look at at how this ties in with Romans 15, but but just look at at some of these verses. The Bible is full of this, and I could have mentioned so many, but just look at one of my favorites has been for many, many years. Is 2 Timothy 2.13. It says, if we are faithless, if we are faithless, let's throw the word inconsistent in there. If we are inconsistent, if we lack in commitment, if we are faithless, He remains faithful, he remains consistent, he remains committed, for he cannot deny himself. That's the only thing God cannot do, is deny who he is. He acts 100% of the time from the truth of who he is 100% of the time. That's what God does. So even when we are faithless, even when we falter, even when our consistency ranges from good to bad, God remains faithful. Hebrews 6, 17 says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable, I love that, the unchangeable character of his purpose. God wanted to show us the heirs of the inheritance, the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath. He promised it, he guaranteed it, he made an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie. That we have this promise, he wanted to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character and the unchangeable oath. So his character and his promise are two unchangeable things. They won't change, no matter what. And he wanted to show us that, that in that it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. The God of endurance and encouragement. We who go to God, we have a a massive amount of encouragement. No matter what you're facing, there is encouragement for you. There is strength for you. There is faith for you. There is hope for you. A massive amount. Strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Why is there hope? Why is there encouragement? Why is there endurance? Why can we endure all things? Why do we never give up? Why do we have grit? Why do we keep going on? Why do we keep trusting? Why do we keep believing? No matter the setback, no matter the trial, no matter the difficulty, because there's two unchangeable things in this world. It's not death and taxes. That's also going to change at some point. There's two unchangeable things. The character of God And his promise, they cannot change. They are steadfast. And so we can put our hope in that. And so Paul wants to remind us here in Romans 15 that God cannot lie, that his word will always stand, that his word holds true and that he will always come good on it and that we can trust him in every season, every moment, every challenge, every predicament and every process that he has for us. Romans 15, eight to nine Uh, We continue here in Romans 15 and and it says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to the Jews, to show God's truthfulness. He wanted to show how true God was. So Jesus came to be a servant in order to confirm the promises. He came to show God's truthfulness and confirm the promise given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles, those who are non-Jews, might glorify God for His mercy. This was all to glorify God. So, so let's just go to that next slide there. It shows us that Jesus came, Jesus became, and this is where it ties into Christmas and the incarnation and the birth of Jesus. Jesus came to show us that God is true, that He is faithful, that He is truthful, and to confirm the promises. Both of those things are what we can celebrate and what we can hold on to. It's the hope that we have during this time of Christmas and every day of our lives. And this is where we get that message from. This tells us why Jesus came to earth. It tells us why we look to Jesus. It's why our church, our number one value is that it is all about Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything holds together in him. Without him, outside of him, there is nothing. There is no truth outside of Jesus. There is no righteousness outside of him. There is no hope outside of him. But in him, we have all things. And so this is why Jesus was born. God sent him to show his, God, his truthfulness and to confirm his promises. So Jesus became a servant to show us these things. Mark ten forty five. Jesus says, for even the son of man came, he's speaking about himself, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it shows us in what way Jesus came to serve us. He came to serve us by giving his life up as a ransom, by paying the price for our sins and for for our, uh, uh, and and taking our judgment upon himself. So Christ came to serve, to give his life as a ransom in such a way that the truth of God would be established, that the truth of who God is, his purposes in his heart and his intention would be made known. He came to confirm that truthfulness and his serving was not separated from the truth of who God is. Jesus didn't arrive, he says, I didn't do a single thing unless I heard it from my father. And even when Jesus' own flesh wanted to not go to the cross, God's will was for him to go to the cross to show God faithful, to show God true, because God promised that he would send a savior. It shows the heart of God. We didn't know what God was like. We didn't know if God was gonna be faithful. We, we sometimes, even now, today, we still doubt if God is gonna withhold good things from us or if he will withhold his promises from us or if for some reason he wouldn't be faithful. I know that it's easy to believe these things when you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's true. But wait until the rubber hits the road in your own life and all of a sudden you doubt whether God is gonna show up. But God is gonna show up. And we know that because Jesus showed up. We know that God will show up in our lives, in our predicaments, in our situations because Jesus showed up here on earth. He was born and he established the truth of God. It was the expression of the truth of God and to show God's truthfulness, who God is. Every single thing that Jesus did expressed who God is. So the first thing that the birth of Jesus shows us, the first thing that we hold on to for hope, where we draw our encouragement from, And I've got four things. The first two are what I've mentioned already and I'm just gonna flesh them out a little bit and I'm gonna mention two others that tie in at the end. But the first thing is that God is 100% truthful. He's 100% truthful. If you're taking notes, you can write that down today. God is 100% truthful. Now, we've already mentioned that that, and Paul says it here in Romans 15, he says that that Jesus came to show God's truthfulness and to confirm his promises, and those two things sound like they could be the same thing. But actually, God is truthful before he made any promises. That's who he is. He's not just faithful to his promise, the promise exists because he is faithful. Does that make sense? Even if we weren't created, even if human beings weren't alive, even if, even if there was no planet, no earth, even if God hadn't created all things, he would still be 100% truthful because God is self-sufficient. He doesn't adapt his behavior just because of us. God is completely consistent in his person and self-sufficient. That's why when Moses saw the burning bush, the bush didn't burn because God doesn't need fuel to to burn. He doesn't need us to exist. He doesn't need matter to make him appear. God is in and of himself. That's why he said, I am. His name is I am, because he's completely self-sufficient. And in and of himself, he is truth. He is perfect, he is righteous, he is everything that we know him to be. And so, God is true before he makes any promises. I know that as, as any good parent, we love our kids and, and I love my boys and my love for my kids, my love for my boys exists before I make any promises to them. That's a state of being and it's a truth. I, I love them imperfectly because I'm an imperfect person, I'm not God, but I do love them. And I do love them to the best of my ability. And so when Leo came to me um, a few weeks ago in time for Christmas and he said, he said, Dad, what I want for, a Chris, for Christmas is an electric scooter with a grappling hook attached to the front. So his idea is that he could ride, ride the electric scooter and grappling hook himself up into a tree with the scooter at the same time. Whatever idea this four-year-old has of what he'll be able to do, um, that's, that's what he wants. And so he asked if he could have an electric scooter with a grappling hook attached to the front, and I promised I would get him one. Now, I made the promise not in order to love him, but because I love him. I loved him before, so when he comes to me and he has a sincere request, my heart is to make a promise. And because of my love, I fulfilled that promise. So I went out to Macro recently and I got him an electric scooter. And if anybody knows where I can find a grappling hook, if you could please let me know after the service. (laughs) I'm still looking for one. I don't know if there are ninja stores around or... But I make the promise because of my love and I fulfill the promise because of my love. My love exists before the promise exists. And God is a better father than, than I could ever dream to be. And he would be so even if we didn't exist, as loving and as faithful and as gracious and as glorious, even if he had never created us. So Hebrews thirteen eight says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday Today and tomorrow, he's just unchanging. His love for you is consistent. The Bible says there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. His love for you is unchanging. James one verse seventeen says every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow, no variation. No shifting shadow. He doesn't change. He is the same and he loves us. And he loves us because of who he is, not because of who we are. This should be good news to all of us. If you have ever felt unworthy of God's love or blessing, or work in your life. If you're like, God, I wish you could do this for me, but I haven't been consistent enough. I haven't worked hard enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't know if I, could, if I can accept these things from your hand. I wanna tell you today, we no longer have to earn anything from God. We only have to believe in who he is, and he's faithful. He's good, he's true. He's 100% truthful, because he is 100% truth. God is the author of truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When we do things, we always check our actions with an external, uh, or, or even though God puts it within us, our standard, our measurement of truth is God and his word. But God doesn't have to check his system of truth with any external source because he is truth himself. That is who he is. And anything outside of God is untrue. So God is Perfectly true because he is truth. He is that standard. And all things are true to the degree that they conform to what God is and says. So God is faithful. And he is faithful first and foremost, listen to this, not to you, but to himself. He is faithful first and foremost. His allegiance first and foremost is to uphold his own truthfulness, and the truthfulness of who he is. So as a byproduct, he is faithful to us because he's faithful to his own nature. And that's what it says. When we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. And so Jesus served us by showing that God will always be 100% true, even to those that have fallen short. So the first thing is, God is 100% truthful. The second thing which I've mentioned is that his promises are 100% sure. When God utters a promise, those promises are 100% sure. They will come to pass in our lives. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, for all the promises, everybody say all the promises. Not some of the promises, 100% of the promises. All the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Another translation says that in Christ we do not have a yes and no, but a resounding yes. Because in him, every single promise of God is yes and amen. Every single promise is yes and amen. So Jesus came to confirm God's promise, God made a promise of salvation. And Jesus came to show that God would be faithful to his promises. How do you know today that God is going to provide for you in your life, for what you need? We know because he sent Jesus. How do you know that God will redeem your situation, that that thing that looks so beyond redemption? Because he sent Jesus. How do you know that God will answer your prayers Because he sent Jesus. How do you know that God will be faithful to the promises he has spoken to your heart? Because he sent Jesus. Jesus came to confirm those promises. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if God didn't withhold his own son from us when we were in need, why do we think that God would withhold from us now that we are in Christ and that he is seated at the right hand of God. God is not gonna withhold any good thing from your life. Stop thinking that he's gonna do that. Stop thinking that God is gonna withhold from you. He is 100% true and 100% faithful in every promise. Psalm 84, 11, I don't have this up there, but it says that God never withholds a good thing from the righteous. And we've been made righteous in Jesus. So we can trust that God will. Now, sometimes God delays that good thing in our lives. How many of you have experienced the delay? And it's in the delay that the temptation comes to doubt his goodness or his faithfulness. But God gives us the perfect thing at the perfect time. And our time is not his time. And so the Bible says it's by faith and patience in the book of Hebrews that we inherit the promises. We need both faith and patience sometimes. We need endurance, we need encouragement. And it's in the scriptures, he is faithful and he will work all things together for good. This is the God that we serve. The Bible says then when Abraham was sacrificing, sacrificing Isaac, you know that Abraham waited for the promise of Isaac for 100 years. And then Isaac arrives, and this is his son, his only son, whom he's waited. It's the son of promise, through whom all the nations of the world will be blessed. And then God, one day, wakes Abraham up, and he says, I want you to take your son, your only son, whom you love, to the mountain that I will show you, and then I want you to sacrifice him. But Abraham... (laughs) I mean, I can imagine him just being like, I don't don't get it, God. I don't get it. I waited 100 years. And now you want me to sacrifice this only, the the son of the promise. You want me to go and take him and sacrifice him. But Abraham had come to a place where he knew that God was 100% consistent. Look, if I wake up and after having waited 100 years, God tells me to kill the promise I had waited for 100 years, I'm like, you're inconsistent. That would be my allegation (laughs) towards God. But Abraham had come to a place of faith where he knew God's consistency. And so he takes Abraham, he takes Isaac, he walks up the mount that God showed him, and there he is ready and to, to, to sacrifice his own son before God stopped him. And in Hebrews 11 verse 9, it tells us that he considered God to be able to even raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. You see, when, when, when Abraham went up there ready to kill Isaac, he knew that even if I drive this dagger through my son's heart, God is able to raise him from the dead. He didn't under, have to understand what God was asking. He trusted that God was 100% good 100% of the time and would always have a purpose for whatever he asked. Wouldn't it be amazing if our faith grew to the place where we could just do whatever God asked because we didn't doubt his consistency? We didn't doubt his commitment or his love. So when you get to that place, that's faith. And then you're no longer anxious because you trust God's word. And and you'll trust his, his word the more you believe in his love. This is, again, why Christmas is such good news. Because in our sin, we did not deserve a single promise. None of us could earn the promise. None of us deserved to get an answer from God or a prayer from God or anything from God. What we deserved was punishment, not promises. But then Jesus came. He was born, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas, that he was born, and he took that punishment so that in him we could have the promises. That's why Jesus came to confirm every promise God had ever made over our lives. And then what we received, and this is so amazing, is that this is why we give gifts to each other on Christmas. I don't know how many of you have gone out and bought those gifts and and already started wrapping them, but the reason why we give gifts to one another is because we have received the greatest gift of all. And we would say, well, it's salvation and it's forgiveness and and it's all of those things, but those are actually, you know, under the tree, you often have little gifts and then you have the big gift. And we have little gifts, we have salvation, we have forgiveness, we have blessing, we have calling, we have purpose, we have all those things. But the big gift, the actual gift, the gift that Jesus actually came to give us was Himself. What we get to have is a relationship with God. We get to know God, we get to walk with Him, we get to be fulfilled by Him and His presence in our lives. And this is why we finish every prayer in Jesus' name, because in Him the promises are held together. So those first two points, number one, that God is 100% truthful. Number two, his promises are 100% sure. Number three, because he is 100% merciful. He's 100% gracious. The intention of God's heart is grace and mercy. It says that Jesus came to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. When we experience God's love and and the fulfillment of His promises, we recognize how merciful He is because we know we could never have have deserved it. And God confirms His promises to Israel. But that promise to Israel, to, to those circumcised, it spills out, it spills over. It's not just for Israel, but it spills out over all of the nations. And so even the Gentiles, every other nation in the world, Glorifies him for his mercy. Everybody can come to know his mercy. And, and Micah 7:18 says, Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in steadfast love. Steadfast, consistent, committed. Hebrews 4:16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace with confidence we can go to his throne because it's a throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He is 100% merciful all of the time we can go to God. We can find mercy and it all is through Jesus and in Jesus we're able to find that mercy. On a very practical level that means that you don't need to earn your prayers, that you don't need to earn the promises of God you can receive them on the basis of the truth that God is merciful to us. God is gracious to us. And the promises are ours because of what Jesus has done. So God is 100% truthful. His promises are 100% sure because he is 100% merciful and gracious towards us. And finally, brings us to the final point that it's 100% about Jesus. It's 100% about Jesus. None of this this confirmation and these promises and the mercy or the grace could be ours if it wasn't for what Jesus did on the cross. That's why the message is that it's all in Him. It's in Christ that we have these things. Jesus is the one that brought it all together. He's the one who actioned the plan. He's the one who actually was born onto this earth and lived and died on a cross in our place to ratify and to confirm and to release every bit of God's mercy into our lives. It's through Jesus that we receive absolutely everything that God has for us. All of this goodness and all of this grace and all of these blessings comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. In other words, Jesus took the shot. Jesus made the putt. Jesus lined up the kick and he scored the decisive victory. He, he, he is the one who obtained the victory for us. And so when we lift, if we're gonna lift anyone up as a church, if we're gonna talk about anybody as a church, we're always going to lift up Jesus. As a church, our motto and, and, and what we'll live by is that it is always about Jesus. It'll always only be about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. 100% of the time, it's Jesus. Because none of us are good enough to earn the promises, to obtain the mercy, to, to get what we want from God through our own strength. But through Jesus, all these things are ours. It's in him and what he did for us on the cross. So we lift him up. We are forgiven, we're called, we're blessed. Not because we're good, but because God is true and because God's word holds true and because he is merciful and because Jesus did everything to make us right with God so that we could receive all of those things. It's 100% about Jesus and it's 100% about Jesus, to reiterate this point, it's 100% about Jesus, not just because Jesus is a means to an end. We don't just go through Jesus so that we can get the forgiveness. We don't just go through Jesus so that that we can get to the blessing or so that we can get to the promise. But the greatest promise of all and the greatest blessing of all, and the reason why it's all about Jesus, is because when you've experienced him and his goodness and a relationship with him and what that's like, you realize that everything else you could receive pales in comparison to actually just receiving him and his presence in your life. Nothing will fulfill you, satisfy you, bless you, build you up, strengthen you, like a relationship with Jesus himself. He is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And so it is truly all about Jesus. It's truly all brought together in him. He is the greatest gift that God could ever give us. True fulfillment does not come from having things because of Jesus, but from having Jesus. And so we keep our eyes, our hopes, our trust, and our fulfillment in him because his word holds true. I hope that you will, it's so hard for us, I know, we've got trust issues. We're inconsistent, people are inconsistent, but I hope that today we can see God for the truth of who he is. And you know what, I need this message I need this message for my own life. Because there are times when I doubt, there are times that I hope that God will be faithful. And when I do, I'll go back to these verses and I'll see that Jesus came to show us that God is absolutely truthful and His promises are absolutely sure. Because He is merciful and because Jesus has acted on my behalf. Isn't that good to know this morning? Come on, in time for Christmas, that's why we celebrate Christmas, that's why we give gifts because God has given us the greatest gift of all. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and, and pray together this morning.